Hi everyone, welcome to Post Credit Club. My name is Noor and today I've got my brother Abdul back with me in this studio. Want to say hi? Yo, 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 what is up in the house? Yes, hello, hello, oh, I don't know. God, that was so awkward. I think, I'm pretty sure everybody's happy to have you back because it's our third episode and um, last time I was on my own talking about Glass Onion. Everybody, you mean like the three people watching the pod? Yeah, shut up. We'll get there. We'll get there. Um, so today's episode actually is going to be a special episode because we are going to be doing a retrospective of all of our favorite movies that we've seen in 2022. Even though we're already in February almost. So You don't have to let the people know that. Gosh. But yes, what we're trying to do is go through all our favorite movies before it's too late into 2023 where we can't talk about 2022 movies anymore. So um, what we've done actually is we, we're not going to do any sort of ranking, but we do have 20 of our favorite movies that we just want to talk about quickly and why we liked each movie. Um, there's no sort of like order to this. Like Abdul and I are just going to take turns talking about each of the movie that's on our list. And um, just as a spoiler, not sorry, not spoiler, but just as a warning, if there is a movie where you're like, hey, why didn't they talk about this movie? We most likely just didn't get a chance to watch it yet. So please. We have lives, people. Can you not? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Okay, well, since you seem to be so like excited to talk, you might as well start off with your first movie that's on the list. Well, let's see. Let's see. Um, So, yeah. I would say the first let's let's kick this off with the bang. I think the first movie I want to talk about was The Batman, directed by Matt Reeves and starring Robert Pattinson or Patterson Pattinson. How you say it? Pattinson. Oh, Patterson. <laughs> Whatever, Twilight Boy. Um yeah, so this is one of my favorite movies of the year. Like I was pretty excited when it was coming out and I was like okay, like it has Matt Reeves, the guy did Don the Planet of the Apes and War for Planet of the Apes. So I was like, I'm expecting good things going into it. Then I saw the trailers. Then I saw a couple of the mo- tidbits they showed of Batman. And it's like that one scene where he just beats the shit out of the other guy. And then like the story and they were kind of marking this as like the first time Batman's going to actually have a detective story. So they're kind of going for like that seven serial killer vibe. And like. Paul Dano kind of embodied that sort of serial killer vibe, which I really liked. And then the other thing I liked was the way the story kind of was focused on the detective elements. But it didn't like just because it was focused on that. It's not like everything else took a backseat. Like the action was pretty good. The fighting scenes and choreography was great. The cinematography that was top notch. Even Catwoman. I was like, yeah, I actually cared for her character. So there was that. And then and then I'll probably say I think what I like most is that. Batman won and lost. So he lost the battle because obviously they they flooded Gotham. But or the Riddler, I don't know, what do you want to call them? Sycophants, fanatics, whatever. They flooded Gotham or whatever. But at the end of the day, like that wasn't the point was not for him to win. The point was for him to quote unquote become the symbol of in a weird way almost felt Superman esque where it's like he's the symbol of hope for the city of Gotham. But like overall I thought it was movie was great. I'm glad they didn't really focus on the Joker even though he was in there, but I'm glad he wasn't main focus. Maybe they'll do it in the future, but I, I like the vibe that they have going on with this universe, and it genuinely made me excited to see more. Oh, and uh, yeah, one more thing. Yeah, Colin Carl, Colin Farrell? Yeah, the Penguin? Yeah, that was not Colin Farrell. That, was, that looked like some random, I don't know, random mob gangster they got. But yeah, other than that, great movie, so... Okay, I just want to add real quick because um, one thing that I also really loved about the Batman when you and I went to watch it, we watched it in IMAX, right? Yeah, and I just remember think, um, walking away thinking Gotham as a city was like a character of its own. Like I've never, I don't think I've ever watched a Batman movie that made me feel like Gotham was a real city as much as I like when I watched this. Yeah, like even if you think about it, the Dark Knight trilogy, like you're you thought about. Um batman and like all the character and stuff were great but i never felt like gotham was its own character in fact i actually think the last time we actually got gotham at its own character quote unquote in terms of any batman live action medium was probably either Zack snyder's universe as weird as that sound or maybe joel schumacher like because it was very stylized and all that stuff with the statues and gargles and stuff that was the last time i think we actually got gotham as a character so yeah Oh, and the score. Score was oh. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Kurt Cobain 
And actually, the uh, actual Batman theme they came up with, I was like, it's pretty good. I've actually listened to it a couple of times while just doing stuff. So pretty good. All right. Uh, a movie that I want to talk about that I really, really liked was actually a thriller horror movie. Yeah, I guess you can call it a horror movie. It's by... Um, the director's name scott derrickson it had ethan hawk in it and a bunch of newbies um this movie is the black phone i don't know if enough people have seen it because i haven't seen too many people at least like within my circle talk about it but i had a really good time watching this movie i was so surprised by how um eerie this movie was because a lot of the times like horror movies can sometimes just fall into gimmicks really easily but this wasn't one of those movies this was because like you have such talented actors who are doing a really good job of like portraying their characters and the different um, elements that they symbolize within the story itself, I was so blown away by their talent. And also the writing of this movie was incredible. Like I was really rooting for all the characters and what was going on, which uh, quick summary, like they had to basically make sure that they could find these missing boys that were being kidnapped by this guy who was Ethan Hawke's character and um you end up finding like one of the main characters um what's his what was his name Finley or something like that he gets kidnapped and it's him trying to find his way out away from like this guy and even Ethan Hawke like playing the villain was he was so weirdly charming on the internet bro I don't know if you saw this but like people were literally thirsting over him being like I don't care if it's like hey yo (laughs) yeah (laughs) <laughs> it was so funny but like he played it really really well and Ethan Rock is just, like one of my favorite actors working today so I was gonna watch this movie either way but yeah I was really blown away by how good of a movie this was there are jump scares so for those of you who don't like jump scares like you my brother you might want to be a bit careful but it's still a fun movie like I I know there's been a lot of great horror movies that came out in 2022 that I just haven't had a chance to watch but the black phone is one of them that I would highly recommend watching the black phone eh yeah okay yeah no she's right uh it was a really good movie um wait when did you watch it some time ago hold wait hold on a minute what some time ago i thought that wh- i've been trying to convince you to watch this, this whole like watch this movie this whole time a lot of stuff you don't know about me anyways on to the next movie okay so the next movie uh is called e-e-a-a-l or in, in something that humans can actually understand. It's called Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. I just think E-E-A-L is much easier. So, yeah, no, this honestly I think is, like, I really liked the story in this. In the sense that, like, not I remember when I saw it, um, and not a, sec- not a second went by where I was bored or taken out of the movie. Or any at any point was I was, I was bored or, like, I didn't think that this shouldn't have been placed or this scene shouldn't have been part of this or this character did something that was completely weird. Like everything, all the characters were great. The story was great. Even like the whole theme behind, cause it's a very, like the whole, if you want to bring the theme up first, it's about nihilism and like the, I guess you want to say the fight or the will to move on or whatever in life, the family, yeah, family, like Dominic Toretto. Um, yeah. So the thing is like, I really liked it because I I really like movies where they kind of show me an experience I've never seen before. And in a weird way, everything everywhere all at once is its own thing. Like it deals with the multiverse and does all this, which you can say has been done before. Like that has been done. I agree. But it does it in a way where it puts a new twist on things where you, you, maybe you didn't think of it in that aspect. And, um, and, and to that point, like I love Michelle Yeoh's character. She, obviously, she's the main character. I I don't. Who's the Who's the supporting? Um, Waymond. Yeah, Waymond. Raymond. Waymond. Everybody loves Waymond. Um, yeah. So that guy was great. Like I think he's gonna get Oscar nominations for. This. He already got nominated. Now we're just waiting for his win. Okay. 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 Well, we know who wants who what to win right now. Um, yeah. So I thought overall great movie genuinely um it's like that one scene with the rock where literally just two rocks and they just have dialogue on the scene i'm like i've never felt so moved by just two rocks on the edge of a cliff just talking and yet it made total sense in the context of the movie and yeah i love the relationship between michelle yo and was it her daughter yeah that was, that was pretty good um there are a lot of horror vibes there are a lot of horror vibes in it um 
that I, I didn't expect, like, I was like, oh, yeah, it's going to do with multiverse and stuff. In fact, I actually told, like, one of the first things I said after I saw this movie, I was like, this movie does multiverse better than multiverse of madness. Okay, but that's not a hot take. Literally, everybody. I know, it's not. But that's one of the things I thought. I'm like, so Marvel spent, like, this, I mean, not the shit on Marvel, but, like, they spent this whole time hyping on multiverse of madness. And I'm like, I could have just seen this movie, which was way better. But, I mean, it is what it is. Later on Marvel, but this really was one of my favorite movies of the year. Like, it's something I feel like I could easily go back and watch over and over and over again, so. Yeah, hard agree. It's just such a fun time, and I think I already saw it, like, a million times. Saw it a few times with my friends as well. It was, yeah, it was a blast. Um, okay, next movie that I want to talk about is um, this movie that came out pretty recently. It's called Women Talking. It stars a bunch of people, actually, like um, Claire Foy, Rooney Mara, um, and, oh my god, I'm blanking out, Ben uh, Wish. Hot, hot take, sorry, sorry, a hot take, does it have a lot of women talking? It does, but you know what, going into this movie, I thought this was going to be sort of like those, um, you know, like a, the movie equivalent of like a bottle episode where everyone's just in one room talking the whole time, that really isn't the case here, um, although they do spend a majority of the movie just talking just sitting in a barn and basically what happens is that they're from like this um i thought it was like amish but there's some sort of like mennonite colonist a colony where um the women are constantly being sexually abused and so they're trying to figure out what they can do like they have a couple options laid out in front of them either they can leave or they can stay and try to fight and so it's them talking about all their options and they do it in a way where like um they're talking yes about like all the different um emotions and stuff that they would go through like you know leaving the men behind and all that but they also do it in a way where you're seeing like different flash flashbacks and flash forwards so they're kind of moving the story flash sideways yeah sure okay but there's a lot of cutaway scenes as well so it does keep it entertaining so you're never really bored watching this movie at least in my opinion i thought the performances were amazing i thought the direction was really really good too and one thing i noticed about this movie is that it was sort of i don't know if it's based off of a play or something but it felt a lot like watching a play and i think that worked to its strength because if it really was just because in when you watch a lot of plays too right like people are sort of just in one space talking but like you know they're moving around they're being dynamic and it definitely felt like that it it worked it had like a somewhat shakespearean or whatever other kind of playwright quality that most movies don't have and it worked for this um ben wishaw also in this movie was really good as august he was like he was a really good supporting character bro i don't like i don't know if you'll ever end up watching this movie but yeah it, it was it was pretty good and one of the things that i've actually seen other people mention about this movie that i also really appreciated is that they weren't their message wasn't very like okay women are good men are bad they actually take the opportunity to be like no we can teach our men to also be better like our boys sure maybe the men might suck but at least we can raise the boys that are like in our colony that you see them starting to behave in ways that they shouldn't be behaving right like you know teasing girls and doing all these sorts of things but they're like no instead of like just putting them down we should also be teaching them not to behave like this and we as women can also take responsibility in that instead of just you know completely shutting the boys of our colony out so they had a lot of nuanced messaging and stuff in that movie that I really, really liked. And it's a movie that I've been wanting to watch for a very long time since I heard about it, like during these different film festivals. And um, I got to watch it pretty recently and I really, really loved it. Like easily one of my favorites of the year. Okay, now that we're done with women talking, let's talk about men talking. Now, <laughs> okay, so next movie on my list, I think it has to be here. Top Gun Maverick, like that has to be on the list. Like personally it's one like obviously it's one of my favorite movies of the year i think tom cruise at this point just can't miss like if you look at the last four or five movies he's just done it's been hit after hit after hit not just commercially but like critically as well like audiences love it critics love it not to say that's everything about like what makes a movie great but like just knowing the amount of dedication and like i've seen some of the behind the scenes of how they film some of these shots of like them going in the planes and like everything looking so um cinematic especially the scenes when they're in the planes like the way they shot those blew my mind and when i saw it in theaters i legitimately felt like i was in the middle of a plane now unfortunately i didn't see this in 40x but imagine if we actually had seen this in 40x yo um you know sometimes when you're in 40x like so this is something that you and i do right like we sit like in the row behind the people who are in 40x but and our seats sort of vibrate a little bit too 
Is that what we did for Top Gun Maverick? No, no, no. So we saw it in regular. Like, it was regular. Like, there was no 40X, no, no D-Box, no whatever. Whatever your chair moving, whatever you want to call it, your equivalent is in your city. Okay. Because I'm like, if, if we had done that, then for sure we would have felt like we were going to lift off as well. That was such a fun movie experience. Yeah. Like, as an experience, as an event, it's honestly, I think it was one of the best, if not the best experience of 2022. But beyond just the experience and the action, I know that's a big part of it. I genuinely... I actually kind of cared about like surprisingly I never saw the first Top Gun like for me I saw Maverick and then went back and saw the original Top Gun so what like when I saw this movie I was going in with no preconceptions you know I only knew that it was Air Force planes Tom Cruise and a lot of AO that that, that's that's all I know so to actually see this movie I guess in some ways take itself quite in seriously in some ways especially tom cruise's character as well as his relationship with miles teller's character and the rooster is his name that was really good like that was like the heart of the movie and they even bring back val kilmer's Iceman in here and like he for whatever he whatever part of the movie is in he's really good um the the other thing i'll say is i even like the side characters like they had their parts like obviously their supporting character they're not going to take the spotlight but whatever they did in the movie especially like characters like hangman stuff i know he's the douchebag he's supposed to be like um that character but like i felt like at the end at the end like i still didn't hate him like he was he's in a weird way charming but not like that and even like um even john ham's character i was like okay he's the stern guy but like he has his reasons for doing what he's doing so yeah like i think the whole um this like here's my biggest you can say a backhanded compliment or not but like the whole mission of like them getting the the whatever the shooting the target or whatever i'm like that's a little generic you're shaping up for that but i will say despite that like i think the movie's still so good that i actually like i didn't really care at that point like any other small things here and there i was able to look over pretty easily because i was like the rest of the movie is so solid so yeah actually one thing i want to add about that is the reason why i think top gun maverick worked so well is that it's also just a very simple story like it's not trying to be flashy like sure it has a lot going on for it like with all the plane sequences and all that stuff but even then like there's a weird simplicity to it that i really, really liked i think the story works well too and the characters and stuff like sure to some extent they might be a bit tropey but it works like it's it's a formula that's you know like why would you you know go against the formula if you know it's gonna work yeah, like I'm not every movie for me does not have to be the most complex plot thing ever. Like I, f- I feel like Top Gun knows what it needs to be, which is just a good fa- uh, like I say family experience, but like good good movie experience, kind of like Mission Impossible. You could even argue this is like a Mission Impossible. You could effectively say this movie is the one Mission Impossible stunt just stretched out over 2 hours, but in the best way possible is what I mean. So like because of that, it's like I can appreciate it for what it's trying to do. Like what it's trying to do, it's set out and achieved and it perfectly. I don't need every movie to be like this um, complex story with like eight different plot twists or whatever. I don't. If a movie can just make me feel something in a positive way, then I'm like, okay, I liked it and it's a good movie and Top Gun does that in spades. So, yep. All right. Um, Next movie that I want to talk about is... Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio now this movie came out in November I think yeah so it wasn't too long ago and I knew that I was gonna watch it as soon as I heard that it was gonna be Guillermo del Toro del Toro ah Guillermo del Toro directing because I'd already seen a couple behind the scenes clips that he had posted online and you could tell there was just so much effort and care put into like the medium of animation in general and I think he's gone on record and a lot of people have gone on record saying that animation like the way we tend to look at it is unfortunately through a very like childish lens like oh it's only meant for children but you can use animation to do a lot of really cool things and movies like uh, Spider-Verse and stuff have like already proven that and all the amazing Disney Pixar movies whatever that have been coming out um, this is just another one of those amazing movies and I think what really struck me the most about this movie was how dark it was because um, you need some lights Wait, what? You need some lights. Was it that dark? Oh, okay. Haha. Ha. Very funny. This isn't freaking HBO. Uh, <laughs> 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 but uh, what I'm trying to say is um, 
You know, I have to be honest. I don't think I'm very familiar with the story of Pinocchio in general, besides the whole, you know, his gr- his nose grows when he lies kind of thing. But I was very surprised that they said it during, was it World War II, I think? So that's a very, like, huge part of the story. And it's not afraid to be dark. And it's not afraid to be, like, you know, Nazis suck and stuff. But in a very nuanced way. Like, it's not just, you know, punch Nazis kind of thing. <laughs> like, Yeah, I don't know. I love the direction of this movie and just how heartbreaking it was like it doesn't once again like i said it doesn't shy away from the darkness of it It doesn't shy away from the heavy emotions because if it wanted to if you think about like a disney version of it like it would have been so so um light-hearted and fun and cute and they would have downplayed some of the more serious stuff but i like that this movie really gets into the nitty-gritty of it uh, and it asks good questions too about like religion and stuff that an actual wooden boy coming to life would ask so it felt very realistic it felt magical in its own way and knowing that it's del toro like it made a lot of sense that it would so um yeah i really enjoyed this movie i know it's on netflix right now so please check it out if you haven't already well, concerning the amount of Pinocchio movies we got in 2022, I'm surprised one of them was actually good. I'm not going to lie. Um, yeah. So next movie, um, I think it's one of the movies we reviewed recently. Uh, Avatar 2. The way of the water. way of just add water. H2. I don't know. Uh, yeah. So, I, I, like, honestly, I know people, like, I think I've said this before even on our review. I know people hate it. I get it. Like, if you didn't like the first one, I don't think this is really going to change your mind. But I personally did like the first one. And I think this movie does, like, even more about, like, ever since even, even since we did that review, like, I've had more thoughts on it. Like, I think this movie does, I, I can see how some people think that there's certain plot elements that might be repeated. Especially through, like, the villain, Quaritch's character, kind of repeating the same story beats of uh, Jake Sully's character in the first movie. But despite that, like... I think the characters are more fleshed out. I think certain characters take a backseat compared to like the original, kind of like near Terry, especially. But at least they're given certain moments to shine where I'm like, okay, at least they got something to do. Obviously, I think the visuals are great. Duh. Like, I mean, what, what do you want me to say? Um, yeah, the story was a bit better. And the way they set it up to where it's like they can either, like the way they can either expand it or potentially end it, like they can go anywhere. Like I've read some stories on what, James Cameron's planning to do with the third one and I feel like it's gonna specifically like he's trying to add more nuance to the relationship between humans and Navi and stuff in the third one and fourth one and fifth one kind of give people a more all-rounded all-worlded perspective and I'm like that's exactly what I wanted that's what I asked in this uh, from the this movie and now I'm finding out we're getting in the third and fourth and fifth movie I feel like that's something that's gonna really excite me so it, I feel like this movie kind of like Top Gun um, it did its job Obviously, immersive, immersive experience and all that was great. But even beyond that, just in terms of a world-building perspective, because, like, Avatar is really underrated in terms of that aspect, where, like, it has this whole culture that you don't really know, like, you don't know about. Kind of like Star Wars, kind of like Lord of the Rings, so forth and so on. So the the fact that, like, I'm actually genuinely excited to see where they go, um, yeah, I feel like that, and, like, even though it's, like, four or five movies, I feel like really proves, like the long-term sustainability of this franchise and something that I think most people will probably latch on to as time goes on and it'll build up to itself to be something much bigger and greater. So yeah, genuinely excited to see where it goes. Avatar 2, I thought was great. Music was great. Um, the dialogue I thought was, it was okay. It was, I think it was better than first, but it was, it was okay. Um, and yeah, number one thing I was looking for was the story. And I think a story improved on the original. So yeah. Uh, yeah, Avatar 2, I definitely think, has to be on there. All right. Um, let's talk about this next movie, which is a South Korean movie called Decision to Leave. Um, it's one of those movies that I've been hearing about a lot, like, during these film festivals and stuff. And I think especially after movies like Parasite, like, people have really been starting to pay attention to South Korean cinema more. And they should be because, like, there's some really good stuff out there, including this movie. What I heard about this movie was this supposed to be, like, a... Um, like a what am i trying to say like a detective noir kind of neo-noir detective kind of so batman i no, not, no not really I, sherlock holmes no but it's supposed to be like it's it's a glass onion <laughs> shut up what <laughs> so this movie is supposed to be what people have been calling it the most romantic movie of the year because the premise is that you have this detective who meets this woman who he's actually suspecting of, of like murder and like these all these cases that he's working on. And 
going into this movie i thought it was going to be a very slow movie which at times it kind of can be but i have to be honest i actually really enjoyed the editing of this movie there's something about the editing that it's just so i don't like using the word quirky because it's not quirky but it's very stylistic so you're watching it in a way and you're very into it and there's a purpose behind the editing that they use for it um the director park chan wook like i haven't seen any of his other movies like old boy and like the vengeance trilogy and all the other things that he's done but i've heard really good things and i've been wanting to watch it so this was my first experience with his work and i just had such a good time and i was so intrigued and just the story itself of these two characters who meet and then they diverge and then sort of converge again um really really well done and even the themes in this movie like i was watching a video recently on youtube about how they really um use the motifs of mountains and the sea in this movie and how it sort of elevates their characters and puts them sort of at um odds with each other but then at the same time you can see why they understand each other more than other characters would um this scene sorry this movie just has some really amazing dialogue as well i mean as much as we can possibly tell in english and um yeah cinematography music all that stuff really really well done uh i i feel like i'm forgetting the movie off the top of my head but it just left a very strong impression on me and um yeah when people say that it's the most romantic movie of the year it's romantic without it having to have a lot of like those sorts of you know melodramatic scenes of like oh they're finally making out oh they're finally hugging like they do have some stuff here and there that's what love is it doesn't have to be that way in movies watching a movie like this you'd be surprised by how romantic it is without it having to follow a story of just you know two people meet and they fall in love like it's a bit unconventional in that sense so that they don't meet and they don't fall in love they do but not in the typical way that you would expect them to like it's they meet on tinder yes that's exactly what happens they meet on tinder as criminal and police like dude come on (laughs) but um yeah it's an amazing movie if you're looking to watch more south korean movies like this is one of the standouts of the year and one of my favorites of the south korean movies that i've seen so far okay yeah yeah so on to the next movie um so this movie um i so going into in this movie obviously it was pretty clear cut that there was you were really freaking scared for this movie just get it out there hey (laughs) hey we we don't talk about that here okay yeah, so, okay, to kind of break the ice, the movie was Nope by Jordan Peele, right? So his third movie after us and get out. So I, I just want to say, like, okay, yes, I, I, I don't like jump scares or horror movies. However, when I saw Get Out, Get, get House, Get Out, yeah, I want to get a house. Um, No, uh, so, yeah, Get Get Out, Get, get Out. <laughs> yeah, so Get Out, I don't know if you want to call it thriller, if you want to call it a horror movie. Um, yeah, despite me being, uh, genuinely not a big fan of horror movies, I thought the story was great. Like, it turned, um, a lot of preconceived notions on its head. Um, it actually used racial stereotypes and things like that to its advantage where it turned those things on its head. And I was like, okay, yeah, so that gave me really strong hope when it came to us and seeing what Jordan Peele would do with us. I was a little disappointed with us. I think it had a good like strong points but i think it also has weak points i don't think it was a good get out but then again i think that's a bit unrealistic to expect so i was i love one movie thought another movie was okay if we're going uh, in terms of ballpark and then this third movie obviously nope kind of to get to a point i thought this movie was good i think it was better than us not quite as good as get out but um overall i think just the mystery or of like what this big cloud monster is and like how they're how i forget what was um daniel kaluuya's character called you, you remember oj oj oh yeah so oj simpson yeah oranges um yeah no like the way they were using a lot of symbolism and metaphors of like cameras and cameras rolling and like shutters and like even like the whole auteur director or whatever like all of this and trying to melt add into one melting pot to create a story i was like it was pretty interesting like and even like the creature itself, right? A lot. My problem, like I think, kind of was that it the creature obviously you don't like. It's just a force of nature. Effectively, that's what it is. Not meant to have a motivation or anything. It's just a fortune force of nature that just creates havoc and does all that. And yeah, genuinely, like there were times where I was just because I didn't know what was going on with that care uh, that uh, creature, 
I didn't know what to expect. Like, I didn't know if it'd be scary. Would I actually be um, frightened for the character and stuff? And there were times where I was frightened. Like, I know how I mentioned cinematography is great with, like, most of these movies. And it is. But I think genuinely this one movie had really good shots. Like, that one scene where the cloud creature or whatever is standing on top of the house. And it's, like, blood just smearing down. Um, from the windows it actually reminded me a lot i think it was nightmare on elm street where it's like the blood is literally just if one of the horror franchise or whatever but there's blood literally draining down the um the ceilings it's literally going down the ceiling, similar to how it was with this so i'm guessing jordan peele took inspiration from that and that really freaked me i was like oh my god and there most of the time you don't even see the creature you just either hear it in the background or you get a quick glimpse of it and it's like that eventually when they reveal it I was like, oh, okay, that's when you finally find out. And half the battle, half the curiosity of this movie is just finding out what the hell this thing is. And, oh, yeah, another thing I want to say is Kiki Palmer's um, character, his sister, basically. Yeah, she, she was pretty funny. She did get on my nerves a couple of times, I'm not going to lie. But um, overall, yeah, it, um, she, she was great as well. Yeah, I think part of the fun of this movie is just figuring out the mystery of what's going on and um, why is this thing here, how does this work. And then kind of if you want to put it as like, oh, it was supposed to be, I think, also a commentary on like how people either believe anything or believe don't believe things uh, along those lines. Right. So I felt like it was pretty timely for um, the current time we're in. I felt like it left a good impression on me. And it was something like if someone said, do you want to watch this movie again? Even me, despite not like being the biggest fan of horror, I was like, yeah, I could I could watch it. I might need to get a little invested, but I think it's something, it's not like I would be totally against watching this movie again. So, yeah. I think it's got like a really good rewatch value because I've already seen it like a couple times just with you alone. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's really, really entertaining. Oh, and I just want, also want to mention that uh, all the stuff that they did with Steven Yeun's character with Gordy, that was insane. Oh my gosh. And just the theme of it all, right? Like you believing that, you're like the special, I don't know, pick me girl or something. <laughs> when in reality, like, no, you're just another human. It's an animal. You can't control animals, which is what OJ's character is all about, right? Love that. Well, they even had the scene with the horse where it's like Daniel Kaluuya takes the horse onto the photo shoot or whatever. And then it's like they startled the horse. Like all the people thinking, oh, he got control of the horse. We can do anything to it. And then the horse just like loses control. It's kind of like, I guess, if you want to just depict the whole movie in one scene, it'd probably just be that. So thesis statement yeah <laughs> all right this next movie um you might you guys might be hearing about this a lot just you know now that it's like award season and stuff it's called the banshees of Sharon. it's directed by martin mcdonough and it stars colin farrell and brendan gleason this is yo you haven't seen this movie but i feel like you should watch it just because you're gonna be like what the fuck the entire time you're watching this movie no like okay the premise is so interesting right because you have these two friends and so Brendan Gleeson's character, I forgot his name, Colum. Col I think his name was Colum. Not Ro. No, not Ro. <laughs> and Ro, Ro, Ro. You're no. So, um, so Colum one day decides that he just doesn't want to be friends with like Colin Farrell's character. His, his name is Parrick. It's a very Irish movie, by the way. And so this guy is just confused. He's like, why don't you want to be friends with me? Like the whole movie is just this. And it's funny because like you see like how their relationship was but how it's also deteriorating and you sort of find out as you watch the movie that it's because you know he feels like he's just a nice guy but he's just so plain and boring and he wants to do something with his life especially because he's i think he's older and he just wants to do something with his life before he dies kind of thing right so he's taking up like fiddle playing or something yeah i know but like it's a very quirky movie and it's one of those things where i can see where like the average moviegoer may not enjoy it because they're like what the hell's the point in this movie like it's 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 strange but I think that's where I found it very entertaining. Like, it has a certain charm to it because it's strange. The dialogue, the script was so well written. I really, really enjoyed it. You also had Barry Keegan in it. Um, Joker. Yeah, Joker from Batman, whatever. Um, he was really, really good, too. He was such a good supporting actor, and that's also probably why he got nominated as well for an Oscar. Um, yeah, Because he, he plays, like, the sort of guy who... Like, he's innocent, kind of dumb, and always gets into trouble and stuff. But he, he does a good job in the movie as well. Um, I would highly recommend, for those of you who haven't seen it, watch it because it's got a very interesting charm to it. Um, and I remember sort of when I finished the movie, I'm like, I feel like I'm missing a layer. Like, there's something that I don't understand. And it turns out it's because I'm not Irish. 
So apparently this movie is set during 1923. So it's set during, I think, the Irish Civil War or something. So there's a lot of other like deeper layers of commentary that are going on about the war and just how stupid it is. Kind of like the point about how these two friends fighting are also is kind of stupid. And it's, yeah, I think it's a really well-directed movie. Like, you're never bored watching this movie because you're like, what is happening? I, you want to know more. You want to know whether it gets solved or not, whether they come to some sort of, like, understanding or if they really just, like, fall apart. Um, yeah, amazing movie. I see why it's nominated for all its Oscars. Well, well-deserved. So you're saying this movie has, like, the most what-the-fuck factor? Yeah, but not what-the-fuck in a very, like, just... You know how sometimes movies just have stuff for shock value? Like, I don't think it's that. Like, it does come from a place of... Uh, I don't know. Hold on. What I'm trying to say is that you can see... As you're watching the movie, you it does make more sense as to why things are happening the way they do. It's still absurd. Like, I like that it maintains this level of absurdity, but not in, like, a very... It, it's not that... I know I just said it was stupid, but it, it's not stupid in the sense that it doesn't make sense and that it doesn't warrant what's happening it doesn't take you out of the film there you go it doesn't take you out of the film it's part of the film it's part of the tone of the film and yeah you'll really enjoy it and plus the fact that it's a shot in ireland like it's a very beautiful looking movie too well ireland is a good place i can't deny that um yeah next movie on on the list is probably going to be glass onion yeah so uh, like I said, similar to horror, I'm not the biggest mystery person buff or mystery genre buff. Um, I thought it like, I, I just gotta, I just gotta say, I don't, I don't like the title. I know why it's there. I get the point of it. I just don't think it worked. Glass Onion, a Knives Out story. No, just, just, just call it Knives Out 2 and just, let's just move on. But regardless of that, like going into this movie i so most of these movies whenever if it's like a sequel coming out i usually like to watch the previous movie or like the previous set of movies uh like right right before right kind of to refresh my brain and uh, see see if i can remember things and see where characters arcs are going in the second movie and wh whether they make sense in the overall all context of like the whole if you want to call it universe or whatever the trilogy or whatever set of movies or franchise, yeah. So when I, going into this, I did not do that with Glass Onion. I did not go back and watch Knives Out, the first one. And I still haven't, even though I remember really liking the movie. But for whatever reason, I just didn't. So going into Glass Onion, I was like, okay, I know it's a mystery movie. I know Daniel Craig. Daniel, yeah. Daniel Craig. So J James Bond. Yeah, I knew he'd be good. I remember I remember liking him along with Chris Evans and Honor de Armas in the first movie. So I was like, okay, he's back. And I'm like, okay. Uh, I'm expecting good things from his character. Now, when I heard that, but when I heard that a lot of the cast had been replaced, so no more Chris Evans, no, no, like these guys, I was like, okay, let's see. Can they make another movie, mystery movie, where I'm actually still investing in these new characters that are coming in? And did the movie accomplish that? In in my opinion, I think it did. Like, um, who who was the person who got um? The person who got wronged in the movie, what was her name? Janelle Monet. Like Janelle Monet, right? I was like, I liked her character, right? She didn't seem too stuck up or someone like I, it, like I understood where she she was coming from, and I was like, okay, I I, I like your character. I can root for you. Um, I I liked her character specifically. It gave me someone to root behind. I was like, I'm like, yeah, she should get justice for what happened to her. Um. <laughs> I speaking of characters who do get their justice, Edward Norton's character, like in the movie, yes, I get it. He's a dumb dumb, but like he played it so good. Like half the time, this dude is just making up words, and I'm like, yo, I don't think that's an actual word. Like, yo, you know, circumspective. I thought he did a really good job of just making me hate a villain. I was like, I know you're like supposed to be this whole smart guy. And it's like, okay, I get the point, but he, he's like, your character, your character just really um, made me laugh really hard. Okay, wait, actually, since I reviewed this movie on the channel, let me ask you real quick. What did you think of like the whole setup of this mystery and how it was presented? Like, you know how you, you go the first hour of the movie and you think you know everything and then they give you like this whole exposition kind of thing? Yeah, so actually, I'm glad you reminded me of that because that was, I think, one of the things that was a little bit on the fence of, but I've kind of grown on me since where it's like... The first, how long is the movie? Two hours? Two and a half, I think. Two and a half hours, right? Yeah, so I think the first half of this movie is just set up and like showing you what's going on like in real time or whatever. And then it's like they do that 
and then like another 45 minutes of flashback of showing you how the whole thing got set up all of it and then the last half an hour is just every it wraps it up where everybody's in the same room and it's like oh now we get it it's a it does it a little bit differently and then most flashbacks i think because um how most movies do it it's like they'll show you in fact like one of the other movies i'm about to talk about did this where it's like they show you the end of the movie at the beginning but then they show you everything leading up to it right whereas this what this did was show you the movie happening as it's happening and then spend the other half showing you what's happening leading up to that point and then adding an extra tidbit so i it did play around with the plot structure or story structure on uh with the way it delivered it so i think that was i didn't like it initially because i was like i'm used to the other way but i can kind of appreciate it for what it is in terms of actually trying to see if it can shuffle stuff around make things interesting and then yeah uh i think i kind of forgot like all the side characters i thought were pretty good uh i like dave batista's character <laughs> he was funny i mean yeah he died but uh yeah it was pretty interesting and and uh i think it did um another thing uh good which was like this movie has rewatchability like just for the simple fact that like if you go back, you can probably notice certain clues that were added in that you didn't see in the original first time you saw it. Which is what I did a breakdown of in episode number two, so please yes. go watch that. Yes, yes, yes. Go and watch the Glass on Interview. She, she reviewed everything. So, like, my point is that, like, it, it gives you, like, you could actually go rewatch and see everything you missed over and over again. Like, they're Easter eggs, but they actually, they're more than Easter eggs because they actually play a plot or point. They have a point to play in the movie. So I actually really appreciated that because I'm like, if I ever go back, knowing what I know now, um, I feel like I'll still be able to appreciate it. And the other thing, like what I liked is that it didn't spend the whole time being like, who's the killer? Who's this? Right. Everybody can tell from the beginning it's Edward Norton's uh, character. Right. But like, the and I think they did, this, did they do this in the first Nights Out movie or did the end kind of show that's when Chris Evans' character was the villain? Um, I think in the first Knives Out movie, it was like you were sort of told that it was Anna de Armas' character because she thought she did it wrong, right? But then you find out, no, there's actually more at play. Right, okay. So it wasn't. But what I appreciate is that this movie, it already teased in the beginning that it was Edward Norton's character, right? And so what I liked the most is that it, like, that's not the point. The point is not to know who the mystery is. And I feel like that's where a lot of the mysteries fail most of the time. Where it's like, they just talk about your mystery, just focusing who did who did it, basically. Whereas here, it's like they already unveil it in subtle ways. They don't give it away, but you can kind of tell. And it's like you kind of you kind the mystery is the fun of figuring out how he did it, not who did it, but how he did it. So because of that, and because of all the things that they're differently, I have to appreciate it for that. So all right. Um, so this next movie, I have to be honest, you guys, I think has been my favorite favorite movie of the year. Um, it's a very indie movie that you might also be hearing about like during the award season called After Sun. It is such an amazing movie. And the thing is, with this movie, there actually is not much of a plot. The substance of this movie is a relationship between the two main characters, which is the father and the daughter. So this takes place, I think, in late 90s, where this father is taking his daughter to Turkey for a vacation. And um, at first you're watching the movie and you're like, okay, it's it's cute because they sort of film it like in home video style. Like you can see it from like the little girl's perspective. She's just filming her dad. And at first you're watching and you can kind of tell that there's something off with the dad. Like he doesn't seem happy. There's something about it. Like he seems kind of depressed and stuff. But like they don't really get into the meat and bones of like, why is it? He said meat and bones and turkey. What are you? Are you trying to set something up? <laughs> yeah, I'm hungry even, even though we just ate dinner. Um what i loved about the movie there's so much to like actually to be honest about this movie is there is a bit of a slow pace which i a lot of the times i don't care for slow pace movies but this was just so different like it touched my heart in a very beautiful way because the chemistry between um paul mescal who plays the dad and uh frankie corio who plays the daughter is really really well done they're very very adorable together and you're, you're watching them like you know doing all these different activities like going into like a sauna um what, what do they call it the turkish baths or um you're swimming a lot of the, a lot of it is just them swimming around but even that has like a certain um theme going on for so it. they got paid mostly to swim around in this movie so that's what you mean when they have no plot no there's obviously a lot of like amazing dialogue they're talking about bonding and the thing is that like um they're not like together as a family in the sense that they're living together like she visits him on weekends that sort of thing right but you see how much like he means to her and how much she means to him right 
But the, as the movie goes on, you learn more and more that the movie, uh, spoiler alert, this entire episode, by the way, is a spoiler alert for all the movies we've seen. As you watch the movie. T- <laughs> you say that now after like 15 movies, man. Yo, I try to edit this into the beginning of the into the beginning of the episode. Um, basically, you find out that the movie is actually so, more so about the fact that because you see um, this character, the daughter, her name's Sophie. You see her in real uh, what am i saying in real time in uh 2022 and you see what she's doing is she's going back and watching these videos that she's taking of her dad and the implication is that her dad is no longer around so the movie's main message is like how you go back watching these videos and you don't realize the kinds of things your parents are going through and the things you wish you could have done differently to stop that but you can't especially if you're 11 years old what the hell do you know about the world right and you see that in her she has a certain innocence but she's also very curious you see her like being more interested in things like guys for example but it's still very innocent like she's riding this fine line and it's just such a very well done movie and it's it's heartbreaking especially the way that it ends and then when they have um under pressure playing at the end that little dance that they do it's very sweet uh, but it is the kind of movie that I can say for sure it's not for everybody. Like, if you watch it and you're like, I'm bored out of my mind, then you're bored. You can't do anything about it. But once you really catch on to what's going on, I think it's a very done, very well done, very beautiful movie. And my favorite movie of the year. What is up with you? You said well done. Are you cooking steak or whatever? Can you not? Like, just let, just <laughs> let me finish my damn review. With, the, with unintentionally so many meat references here. I think maybe you're hungry because I'm just talking about this. Sheesh. Anyways, oh, that's a very blue movie. Is that going to trigger you since Avatar is also a very blue movie? No, I liked Avatar. What's your point? You fully remember in our first review, you were like, there was too much blue in Avatar. Well, like, Quartz was like, why so blue? So, I was like, I don't know. Anyways, um, yeah, speaking of meat references, so I'm about to talk about this next movie, Turning Red. Um, yeah, so this, I, I think, is the only animated movie I th- thought of, at least this year, that or last year. That I think really, I really liked. Like, okay, yes, it's set in Toronto. I, I, I can't, man. I'm a, I'm a Toronto person. Okay, like you're not gonna call yourself a Toronto man? Yeah, no. <laughs> okay, well there you go. There, there's a little tidbit of how Toronto I am. Anyways, yeah, like so when I um be, besides the whole Toronto thing, like I think kind of speaking to that, I think Toronto is animated beautifully in this movie. Um, the obviously it's from Disney and Pixar. What do you, what do you what do you expect? It's always I've never had a problem with um their animation quality. So yeah, like in I I like this movie because it kind of shows like the teenage stage of growing up and um kind of I know like it's been done before. Where it's like oh your parents like you want you to stay a certain way, but it's like you're growing, you're changing, whether that's emotionally or whether that's from other um, aspects or whatever. You're, you're you're becoming your own individual. Like, you're kind of growing out of your parents' uh, family shadow, right? And I kind of appreciated that this movie kind of did it, not in a way that's... Because uh, I feel like a lot of times um, they do it in a way where it kind of, like, puts the parents down or makes them... Um, disrespects the parents. And I'm like, this kind of does it sometimes, but I feel like it kind of also helps you understand the parents better. It comes around. Like... The main character, what, what what's the main character? The panda character, whatever her name is. Um, the, I know they called her Mei Mei. Mei Mei, yeah. Yeah, like it wasn't all just, oh, parents bad, me, the main character good. Like, they sh- like she did get on my nerves, right? And I think that was, I feel like a lot of people might have taken it as, oh, like, that was just the character. But I think, I don't know, maybe it's just me. I feel like it was done on purpose just so you can kind of not just, like, hate, not hate the parents, but, like, you root against the parents because they're being you feel like they're being a little bit strict but then you can kind of also understand where they're coming from because like her child is going through changes they don't know what's going on like they're their parents too like they're obviously they're still learning about what what their kids going like growing up and going through and like the way they kind of use the whole her turning into a panda sort of mechanism to kind of be a um a, a a symbolism of like if you want to say like puberty and all these things like growing up right um i i like that because i feel like what it does is it gives kids a chance to like talk to their parents after this movie's over and uh kids can start having these conversations and things aren't so taboo and stuff and i really appreciate it for that and um the animation like i mentioned animation but even the i thought the music was actually halfway good um most of these um halfway yo i'm obsessed with the track 
because whatever that stupid pop band track, whatever the Backstreet Boy One Direction ripoff. Um, yeah, so like that was good. Um, what else did I like? Uh, oh yeah, it, it gets a little fantastical at the end with the whole like other world and their grandmothers and all that stuff. Uh, but like, despite that, um, despite all the, uh, not how do I say it? But like, basically, like despite all these big, larger-than-life elements, the panda, the whole other world stuff, like at the heart of the movie, it's it's a pretty good message of something that I think kids would be able to take a lot away from. And for that, I gotta respect it. The one thing I'm a little bit cheesed on, they didn't really release it in theaters. I think it was just on it was on streaming. Yo, I can take. I can do a whole rant on this because this is yeah. so annoying to me. Like, I understand why they did it. I understand why Pixar was like, no, because the pandemic was still going on. But I mean, if you release it on streaming and in theaters, I don't think you lose anything. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't know. I don't know. They did something. I mean, sort of like how they did that weird thing with Glass Onion, right? Like they put it out in theaters for like a week, and then. But the thing is, they actually put it out in theaters and then put it on. Stream. I feel like the way Glass Onion did is perfect for if you're doing a movie on streaming. Yeah, well, why was it only a week and then you have to wait a month to watch it in streaming? Oh, oh, I thought it was like a month and then, okay, never mind. Okay, so glass, <laughs> but I'll say it did it better than Turning Red. At least it got a week of theatrical. I agree. I, that, that was something that I was kind of cheesed about too. Like why didn't Turning Red be in theaters? Because it was a very enjoyable movie. And, and for me, like I also just really enjoy the character of Mei Mei a lot just because she was very, she's fun. She's like enjoyable. Like she's very uh, likable to watch and mm-hmm. she's just sure I, I don't i don't think she's like a manic pixie dream girl but like she, she she's entertaining she's to watch on something <laughs> but there's a lot of teenagers that are like that like nerdy hyper like you and i were like that what are you saying i, know. I don't think i was that i know i will defend myself and say i was not that okay i was not going that crazy no but and that's part of like being a teenager right? like hormones and stuff too my hormones were not turning red like that okay? <laughs> i mean not that i know of <laughs> Hey, it's Editor Noor here. Catch part two of this conversation next Tuesday, February 7th. Thank you for stopping by.